Welcome to another episode of the Alter Your Health Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, hello and welcome. We value your time and energy and hope you receive a lot from tuning in. As a listener-supported show, we rely on you to help us grow. We'd be so grateful if you share the show or a favorite episode with a friend or fellow health seeker. Living a healthy and nourishing life doesn't always come easily, especially in today's crazy world. But that's why we're here, doing what we love, hopefully helping you along with information and inspiration that fuels your health pursuits. If you're looking for more support, consider subscribing to the monthly Meal Guide membership. Just $11 per month gets you access to a weekly meal guide filled with healing and delicious whole food plant-based recipes, along with invitations to our regularly scheduled support calls where we can connect, answer questions, and keep the good vibes flowing in our healthy lives. You can learn more at www.alter.health slash meal dash guides. And if you're looking for more in-depth support, check out our other services. We offer both one-on-one consulting as well as educational programs. All of our current offerings are listed at www.alter.health. Our ultimate goal is to empower you to heal yourself. Keeping with that theme, let's dive into today's show. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Alter Your Health podcast. This is your source of information and inspiration to promote the holistic transformation of your health and the health of our planet. And I'm Dr. Benjamin Alter, the host of this podcast. I'm a licensed naturopathic doctor, practice holistic lifestyle medicine, specifically whole food, plant-based nutrition, and mind-body medicine, and my mission is to empower you as your own healer. I'm not the healer. You are. You know that. Anyways, this week on the podcast, we've got a special episode. This week, I'm sharing an excerpt from our latest whole food plant-based challenge, The Whole Food Plant-Based Challenge is a regular recurring event that we host, Dr. Susanna and myself, in the Plant-Based and Stress-Free Facebook group, which, by the way, is a totally awesome, free, open group for you to join if you're not already in there. This Facebook group is filled with a lot of people who are looking in the direction of eating more whole food plant-based nutrition and also understanding how to live in the world in a peaceful way because it's plant-based and stress-free we understand the impact that stress has on our life on our immune system on our health so it's important to develop a relationship with stress that is nourishing right i would guess that you agree Anyways, this latest whole food plant-based challenge was all geared toward the immune system. It was called the immune series, and we're sharing an excerpt from our question and answer session, which was over an hour of, um, you know, really great questions spanning a whole array of topics, really all having to do with food though, even though we covered more than just food in the whole food plant-based challenge, we covered other aspects of lifestyle that support your immune system in being resilient and robust. But anyway, most people are really concerned about food. So we answer a lot of great questions when it comes to food and whole food plant-based nutrition. So hopefully you get a lot out of hearing these answers as well. Maybe you've had similar questions in the past, or maybe you do have similar questions. And maybe you still have a lot of questions pertaining to whole food plant-based nutrition. And if you do, once again, we just invite you to come on into the group and join the like-minded people who are living and eating this nutrient-dense, whole food, plant-based lifestyle. So toward the end of this uh, question and answer series, Susanna and myself, we start talking a little bit. I kind of edited some stuff out and cut it off short, of course, but we talk a little bit about the upcoming mastermind program that we're hosting. It's actually an ongoing program, but we open up enrollment every eight weeks or so for a new batch of people to come on in and this six-month mastermind program is designed to support people in living this because it's one thing to have the information it's quite another thing to implement that information in your life and that's really 
where we have identified a huge gap because there's really no shortage of information, um, but there is a shortage of health promoting action and transformation in this world. So anyways, um, you know, enrollment to this mastermind is open for a limited period of time. And if you're listening to this, it's probably a little too late, but you can learn more and actually apply for the next enrollment period of the mastermind program. You can find out more at www.alter.health slash mastermind and fill out an application there. Um, also just one last call to action here. Come on into the Facebook group. I think I've said it three times in this introduction, but it is a great place to be a great place to tune into, um, these whole food plant-based challenges. We also host a medicinal Monday chat and our alter your health live, which you get on this podcast as well. It's a live recording that we do every Thursday in the plant-based and stress-free Facebook group. All right, enough about that Facebook group, enough about the Whole Food Plant-Based Challenge, enough about the mastermind. Let's get into some really awesome questions pertaining to all aspects of whole food plant-based nutrition. Hello, everyone, and welcome to session number six of the Whole Food Plant-Based Challenge, our live Q&A session. I'm Dr. Susanna Alter. And I'm Dr. Benjamin Alter. And we're both naturopathic doctors who support individuals in reversing disease and reclaiming optimal health through whole food plant-based nutrition and mind-body medicine. We hope you have already learned a lot and have integrated and implemented a lot into your day-to-day life throughout this whole food plant-based challenge. We invite you to let us know where you're coming in from and also... Uh, feel free to share some win, something that you have learned or gained or experienced or felt in your body, something new. Uh, you know, at this point, five days into the challenge, or this is our sixth day of mm-hmm. the challenge, but five full days into the challenge, you might be feeling a little bit new and different. So we invite you to share that with us all. Yes. Yeah, so let's just go over some of the few logistics we have. Uh, remember that tomorrow we're taking a day off, no live session. Um, so it's a, great, it's, a, yeah, it's a great day to, to catch up on uh, any videos you might have missed earlier this week. And uh, we'll be back on Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Monday is a really special session because we'll actually have a guest with us. And we're going to be talking a little bit with uh, one of the members in our mastermind program talking about really the reality of implementing this way of eating for sustainable health and immunity. Living, not eating. Eating is a part of living, but it's called medicinal living. Yes. You know, so it's not medicinal eating because it's more, you know, your health is more than just food. Um, but in terms of, uh, I'm sure a lot of the questions that you guys have that we're going to get into are probably food related and that's all right. Um, that's where people tend to get hung up on. And when we look at maybe the leading cause of death in the world, it's really food. It's foodborne illness. And I'm not talking about like pathogens from, uh, from uh, you know, that are slipping into our food. I'm talking about foodborne illness, meaning like the food that we're eating is literally killing us or shortening our lives or leading to diminished quality of life. So I'm drinking lemon water that has some ginger in it. Lemon ginger water. Delicious. Okay, well, let's give away our prize for today. And uh, today we're giving away a $25 gift card to Amazon or, or the store of your choice. And As long as you're using that money, those $25, to buy something nourishing for you. It doesn't have to be food or like any sort of supplement or anything like that, but just something nourishing. Yes. So okay. the giveaway for today goes to number 51, who we've got our list here that Susanna is in charge of and we trust what's going on. Linda Salatrinsky. Did I say your last name right? Salatrinsky. Yeah, Linda is I here. See. Congratulations, Linda. Linda loves understanding how the organs like the liver work and how to help them. All right. And now, Linda, you have uh, $25 to your 
favorite place to spend money. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll be in touch with you about what email address to send that to. And just to let you know, we still have two more days of giving away prizes, and the prizes are getting bigger. Well, that is if you'd like to spend time with us. They're getting bigger. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So on Monday and Tuesday, we'll be giving away a free 60-minute one-on-one session with myself or Dr. Benjamin. You get to choose. And uh, in order to qualify to win those prizes, you need to show up live today like you are doing and do your homework for the weekend so so without any more blabbering to do uh, let's, answer some questions. let's answer some questions this so, is honestly one of my favorite favorite days of the week it's totally the favorite day because we're able to actually speak directly to what you guys want to learn rather than what we want to say right yes. so no agenda here we just want to support you in like you said linda just really deeply understanding what's going on so that you can live your best life forever mm -hmm. exactly so, okay so the questions are going to be coming in and um we are going to just go you know from top to bottom addressing yeah. all of them so did, did we already miss one I don't. I didn't see any question yet. I just saw yeah, yeah, what yeah. am I drinking? What powders do you use for a basic green powder for All right. smoothies? Reen asks if making a basic green powder for smoothies. What powders do you use? Our favorite powders. To you, you might know we've talked about it before. We kind of mix our favorite powders. Like we get a pound of this, a pound of that, a pound of that, a pound of that, and we put it in a big pot or a big bowl, and we stir it up, and then we put it in a big bag and then we put it in mason jars and you know just do a tablespoon in a smoothie each day and that um lasts us you know if we got like four or five pounds of powder that lasts us a good six months or so at least the two mm -hmm. of us yeah um so our favorite powders nutritional green powders are bar I'll, we'll go back and forth barley grass juice powder spirulina wheatgrass juice powder moringa powder nettle leaf powder that's about it. Those those are the five that we those, rotate yeah. uh, between. So yeah, and they're always delicious and so nutritious. And we we typically do a tablespoon of that mixture in our smoothie every yeah, day. Yeah, just kind of a one to one to one to one ratio, and just yes. greens. Hello, Zuzana. Hello, Zuzana. It's great to see you. Yeah. Okay, Linda has a question: Is drinking ice water not during meals okay? And yes, this is something that we don't recommend doing. Uh, you know, warm water is okay. Warm water with lemon is great because there's actually some natural enzymes in the water, in the lemon. But cold ice water can dampen our digestive fire. Put in another scientific way, it dilutes the hydrochloric acid in the stomach. And we need strong hydrochloric acid in order to digest food fully completely so that we can absorb the nutrients from it and then just consider you know you're you're sitting on a beach on a nice summer day and there's the cold ocean in front of you and you just run up onto a cliff and you jump off a cliff into the cold ocean water your body is going to react and you're going to go <laughs> you know you're going to do that when you land in the cold ocean water and that is effectively what takes place when you put you know 30 40 50 degree water in your 98.6 degree stomach um you know your your stomach kind of has that response which is not really conducive to optimal digestive digestion yes uh benita has a question about canned beans and canned goods are a no-no correct uh not necessarily we are huge advocates for having at least canned beans and some canned vegetables on hand. Uh, we don't cook with them as staples all the time, but it's certainly good to have a can of beans just to go to during in a pinch, right? Because we can crack it open and have real whole food at our fingertips in a heart in a in a flash. Um, the thing we have to look for in terms of canned beans and canned food in general is A, the, the BPA in the can. Most cans nowadays are BPA free. That's become pretty much the standard. Um, the other thing is the other ingredients. Specifically, when it comes to canned food, it's sodium. Sodium sneaks into a lot of canned and packaged foods. We know that. Um, and sodium is uh, just, it, it's like you don't even necessarily taste it in canned beans. It's just they 
pile it in there for some reason, or maybe they do. You do taste it, mm, and if it's depends. really, you know, <laughs> depends on your taste buds. Um, but the fact of the matter is, that's how they can sneak in some sodium to get you wired and to spike your dopamine on some weird level. Um, so we've got to look for those kind of things. Other ingredients are like citric acid. Um, and sugar. And sugar, um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, otherwise beans, uh, if you don't have a pressure cooker, can take several hours to make. So we like having these kind of emergency foods in the cupboard so that when you are starving but don't have very much time to prepare food, you still have something that's healthy in the cupboard that you can whip up really quickly so that you're not calling takeout and getting something that wouldn't be, um, yeah. wouldn't be healthy. Totally. This is a good one. Going to do that one? Yeah, discuss how you uh, can you discuss how to relieve sinus pressure naturally? Maybe hot teas. So, with symptoms like this, it's really, really important that we address the underlying cause of what is calling of what is causing the sinus pressure because we do have a lot of natural tips for you know symptom relief, but that's just going to help make you feel better in the moment. Oh, well, what comes to mind for me in terms of symptom relief, because, yeah, you know, sinus pressure is either due to allergies or some sort of uh, bacterial or viral infection. Those are the main causes, right? Um, allergies or mold. or mold, yeah, for sure, and which is kind of an allergy. But allergies, you want to address the, the, the immune system for sure. But in terms of symptom relief, one of the best things that we can do, which also kind of activates the immune system in the process is a steam inhalation. So you can boil a pot of water and throw in some dried herbs like oregano and thyme. Um, those are great ones since they have really strong antimicrobial properties. Also uh, rosemary and sage and things like that. And then you can take the water off the boil, off the, off the stove, but it's still really hot, it's steaming. And then you can drape a towel over your head and breathe in that steam for at least a few minutes and do a few rounds of that. And doing that two or three times a day will really, you know, add some, uh, bring some health and bring some fresh blood flow to the uh, sinus passageways, to the mucous membranes in the sinuses. And that's a good way to just keep things going. The other real important thing is to avoid things like decongestants that dry you out because you want to keep things moving and running, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, Lona, does flaxseed already ground not produce the same results? Um, uh, and this is uh, compared to flaxseed that you grind at home. And so, um, the thing about buying flaxseed already ground up is that you have no idea how long it's been sitting on the shelf for. And when we grind up any kind of seed, it's prone to oxidation. And another word for that is it's prone to go rancid. And um, especially the oils in flaxseed, they're polyunsaturated fatty acids, which are most prone to go rancid um, in the smallest amount of time. So yes, I mean, you could certainly lose some of that nutritional value um, with the flaxseed being ground just sitting on the shelf for a long period of time. But what's more of a concern is the rancidity because rancid oils are pro-oxidative and can harm our cardiovascular system and increase overall inflammation in the body. So we definitely recommend grinding your own flax seeds at home. You can do a big batch of it and then store it in the freezer. And um, it won't, it's still easy to scoop out even if it's in the freezer, it doesn't really stick together. So yeah. yeah. And then if you are like me and you just put your flax seeds or chia seeds in your smoothie and you have an awesome blender like we totally advocate for it's totally worth the investment like a vitamix specifically vitamix is far and away the best um so if you do have a vitamix you can just put your whole flax seeds in the vitamix and the vitamix will take care of grinding them up and activating and releasing all of your beneficial omega-3 fats and all that good stuff what about whole wheat bread Whole wheat bread. Well, whole wheat bread. Um, you know, processed and refined grains, we talk about this a lot, mainly in the context with like, you know, clients and patients and whatnot. But all of these processed and refined foods exist on a spectrum, right? There's the fresh grounds, you know, grandma made the fresh 
bread, she ground her own grain, and then she just added water and yeast. I don't even know what goes in the bread. And then she put it in the oven and it's fresh break, baked, right? And that's on one end of the processed grain spectrum. And then there's like the white Wonder Bread, the Thomas English muffins, the Lucky Charms, you know, the just the bleached white flour and the things that we make from that, the pastries and whatnot. So, you know, between the fresh made two ingredient bread and then the hyper processed food that is shelf stable, that stays on the shelf for, for months and months at a time, you know, there's, there's a lot, there's a big spectrum, there's a lot between that, right? So, you know, there's, there's a, a time and place and, it, and it's all totally okay in quote unquote moderation based on your health status your health goals, choosing those minimally processed, quote unquote, whole grains that aren't intact, but they're still whole because they have been ground with the whole, with an H, not a W, with the whole on. So that's what makes it whole wheat, even though it's, grain, it's, it's processed and refined, or not minimally refined. Yeah, I would say a lot of store brought a lot of store bought whole wheat bread for us would be a red light food, a food to just avoid. Yeah. There are some specific brands that are a yellow light food, uh, like Ezekiel bread is sprouted and it's you know less processed. Um, and so it really, really depends on your health goals for people who are wanting to really reverse disease or for people who are kind of have, have plateaued in their healing or in their weight loss, these yellow light foods are probably better to be avoided or, you know, not totally avoided, but really minimized so that you can focus on more of the healing foods. Totally. It just comes down to the the fact that we like to point out that every time you open up your mouth and you put something in your mouth that's an opportunity to move your body into greater states of health and you know we see things like uh, a real you know hearty whole wheat bread that's not totally processed not a lot of additives preservatives chemicals you know organic all that good stuff we see that as just kind of a, a source of calories not really high in nutrient density or anything like that it's got some fiber yes but the fact of the matter is that whole intact whole grains you know the the wheat berries the the brown rice instead of the brown rice pasta the quinoa instead of the quinoa pasta the whole uh, steel cut oats instead of the oat flour um, those whole intact grains have more fiber and also more nutrient density because the the moment similarly with grinding the flax seeds the moment we grind those grains all of those micronutrients antioxidants and vitamins and minerals and whatnot are prone to the environment and oxidation and they just kind of slowly degrade over time uh, so we want to really focus on the whole intact grains that uh, you know they're totally you know con contained and then our metabolism our digestive system breaks them down and unlocks all of those nutrients that are stored within them and those are also the greatest source of fiber which we've talked about a lot when it comes to the immune system as being a critical component for nourishing and optimizing your gut health your microbiome and uh, fortifying your your resilience system on that level yes so, do you guys use B12? Yes, we do. Uh, we take a supplement, a, a vegan supplement for B12. It's called Vegan Safe, right? The B12 that we like. It's, yeah. it's a mixture of methylcobalamin and adenosylcobalamin. Yeah, two different forms of B12. It's on our medicinary website. And um, yeah, because uh, our food supply is no longer a, and well, really, do you want to do the whole B12 talk? Not really. Not really. We, okay. we, we do take B12 and it, we do recommend that you take B12 if you're eating exclusively a plant-based diet. And if you're not eating exclusively a plant-based diet and you're eating animal products, then the animals are taking B12 supplements. So you get your B12 through them. But B12 is not like something, you know, you probably know this. It's not something that is found in, in meats or found in animal products or is made in animal products. Um, yes. It's so. the bacteria that makes B12. Foods, uh, what would be most beneficial to eat for a fatty liver? It would be most beneficial to eat a whole food plant-based diet. Yes. 100%. 100%. 100%. <laughs> specifically 
fruits and vegetables and whole grains and legumes. And when we're talking about fatty liver, the key word in there is fatty. Do you know what makes a liver fatty? Well, if it's non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which is the most common form, or non-alcoholic steatohepatitis or NASH or NAFLD, that's the most common form of fatty liver disease. Since alcohol is not ca causing the fatty liver disease, it's fat. So focusing on a whole food plant-based diet that's naturally low in fat is really key, naturally high in nutrient density. Also really you know, focusing on hydration, on stress, on all of these things because stress and the hormones associated with stress are directly damaging and toxic to the liver and for that matter, you know, the rest of the body. So that's kind of the nutritional focus of for, for fatty liver disease. And just spoiler alert, that's really the best way to eat to heal any disease. Um, when we're talking about reversing disease, reversing pathology, we need to be a little bit more strict and stringent when it comes down to what's coming in our mouth and really focusing on the low fat nature of the plant-based diet and limiting the avocados, the nuts and seeds, for sure the oil um, and processed fats. Um, but yeah. Great. Great. And also high fiber. Yeah. Yeah. Fiber is important. Okay. What are your thoughts on air popped popcorn? Well, I would put this in a yellow light food group. And I've never had it. You've never had air popped popcorn? I've had like, I haven't, it's been so long since I've had popcorn. Well, we but had I know it, it's. We had it. We had it when we went to the What the Health um, video showing. So I would consider this to be a yellow light food, which is a food that you can enjoy every now and then, of course, depending on your health goals. And I put it in the yellow light category because. It is slightly processed. It's not necessarily a very nutrient-dense food. It doesn't even really fill you up that much. Um, so it's kind of it's, just like a fun thing to eat every it, now and it, then. It reminds me of, um, you know, like, yeah, there's not much even calories, really, when you no. eat it. Unless, because the calories in popcorn from come from the butter and the salt and the... Right. Not, not the, the salt, salt but, but the butter. Um, yeah, so um, the other thing like that a, is... So important is that this corn is organic and non-GMO because otherwise, you know, regular conventionally grown corn will be smothered in herbicides and pesticides. So you want to keep all of that out of your body. I, I realize we kind of fell behind here. So let's, yeah, there are a lot of questions. Yeah. Um, well, does does uh, Halen was wondering? Does that mean that ice cubes or ice cold beverages are bad for the stomachs? No, no, no. You can still eat cold drinks. We just recommend that you do it away from your big meals. So, uh, you know, we're but drinking what, like... What about, yeah, but what about like smoothies? Oh, no, it's not bad for your stomach at all. But, well, did you want to add more to that? Not really. Okay. Um, yeah, no. you know. Yeah. So let's let's. I mean, keep going. I, ideally, ideally, you yeah. We I like to blend my smoothie in a way that allows it to kind of get back up to room temperature because I do put frozen fruit in there. So um, okay, you can keep going. These aren't questions. Okay. Uh, how do you re naturally reduce gas and bloating? There's some so there's some great tips. Um, the first thing to know is that some amount of gas and bloating is totally normal and healthy. Uh, the thing is, it shouldn't be stinky. It shouldn't be painful, and it shouldn't be totally nonstop persistent all, all the time. Uh, but gas and bloating is a consequence of our microbiota, our microbiome digesting food stuff, digesting fiber. And uh, most people get a little bit of gas and bloating when they, introduced, when they introduce new foods or when they eat a lot of something that their microbiome is not used to really handling. A great example of this is beans. A lot of people say, oh, you know, every time I eat beans, I just get a little bloated, so I never eat beans. And then when beans do slip in, when they're at a party and they do have a scoop of hummus or something like that, they get really bloated. So for that, for those people who tend to get bloated from certain foods, we generally recommend that you introduce more and more of those foods in a mindful, slow intentional way, not overdoing it, not overwhelming your intestinal microbiota. Um, so 
Also, you want to be sure to diversify the type of fibers that you're bringing in and feeding your microbiome. So not just eating chickpeas, but also eating black beans and pinto beans and navy beans, doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And you are really essentially kind of harmonizing and diversifying the ecology within your gut. And that's really the way to totally kind of heal or, or address the gas and bloating equation. But in the short term, there's also some great things, um, great herbs that are known as carminative herbs and things like cumin and cardamom and peppermint and chamomile, chamomile, um, ginger, ginger, these are herbs that effectively go in and break down the little gas bubbles so that we don't really experience or feel gas too much. So cooking with those culinary herbs can be really helpful as well. Okay, Linda, our, our well water is very hard with iron. Is boiling it a good solution since I do not have a water purifier? Well, boiling won't get rid of the iron in the yeah. water. It'll still be in there. Um, so really the only way to get the iron out would be to filter it somehow. But, um, you know, the iron shouldn't be an issue as long as, um, you know, it isn't too high and yeah. your iron levels aren't too high in your well, blood. And so. iron, iron can cause constipation. Yes. Um, that's the, the main thing with, with iron and water. Uh, high iron, water iron levels can lead to kind of low grade or medium grade constipation. Um, and then it's like, all right, well, I know I need to drink more, more water to become less constipated, but then you drink more iron and get more constipated. So it might be something to look into getting it filtered out. Um, but everyone's kind of got their own tolerance to that iron. So it may or may not be really a, a problem. Yes. What do you use to grind flax? We use our Vitamix blender. You can also use a coffee grinder. Um, or any kind of blender that you have, really. What about corn? What about it? Well, we, we already kind of talked a little bit about the importance of when you're eating corn, it must be organic and non-GMO. It must. Except on the Clean 15. Oh, corn on the cob is different. Sweet corn. Sweet corn is a uh, Clean 15 food. It is. Um, it generally is. It, is uh, it was in 2019. It is in 2020. Um, so your your sweet corn, which is corn on the cob, right? Yeah. It, uh, you can have non-organic corn on the cob. But when we're talking about any sort of corn derivative. Or corn meal. Corn like meal. Corn tortillas or. You know, back to the, the conversation about GMOs and how, you know, the, the main GMO foods we need to be uh, mindful of, of course, are corn, canola, sugar beets, cotton, and why am I blanking? Soy. Soy. Corn, canola, sugar, cotton, and soy. And cotton, of course, is um, like cottonseed oil, which is mixed with soy and corn oil to make like vegetable oil. All of those foods essentially are markers of totally crap junk food. So by and large, when you see something on the package that includes cor corn, canola, soy, um, uh, cotton, seed oil, you know, those kind of ingredients just indicate that it's a really low quality food and it's going to be toxic. Um, yeah, but and, and the same goes for wheat because even though wheat isn't considered a GMO food, it's still sprayed with the same herbicides and pesticides. Yeah. And so with foods like wheat and corn and soy, those are foods that some people can do really well on in a whole food plant-based diet, but a lot of people have kind of developed this weird immune response to it due to a cross-reactivity happening in the immune system. And really what that means is that because so much of the conventionally grown corn, soy, and wheat um, is so heavily sprayed with herbicides, um, the, the immune system has associated those foods with an inflammatory response. So even when you eat clean corn, clean soy, clean wheat, your immune system might still react. This is totally reversible as long as you stay away from those herbicides and pesticides for a while, but it can take a couple of years. So some people do better when they leave these foods out of their diet altogether. Yeah. All right, let's talk about walnuts. Are they good? 
they, I've heard they have a lot of omega-3s. Uh, well, the best source of omega-3 fats in your diet and for your body is flax seeds slash chia seeds. They're kind of at the top of the list in a league of their own. Um, then as you work your way down, there's hemp seeds and walnuts and, and these sort of things that, yeah, they've got a lot of omega-3s, but really, you know, it's, it's not all about just more omega-3s the better, because if that were the case, then we would refer you to take a spoonful of fish oil, you know, which has a lot of omega-3s too, right? Which we know that fish oil isn't necessarily good. Um, the fact of the matter is that what's more important than the sheer quantity of omega-3s is the ratio or proportion of omega-3s in your body versus omega-6 fatty acids in your body. Um, and, omega and walnuts, you know, have quite a bit of omega-6 fatty acids uh, in addition to omega-3 fatty acids. But flax seeds and chia seeds, on the other hand, they've got a ratio that's really the most favorable for the body. Um, so we generally recommend for optimal health, for the reversal of disease, that really the, the predominant source of quote-unquote overt fats in your diet is flax seeds. And what I mean by overt fats is just those whole foods that where the predominant macronutrient is fat. You know, things like nuts, seeds, avocados, olives, etc. Flax seeds and chia seeds should be the predominant source of fat in your diet, like overt fat. Remembering once again that fat and protein and carbohydrates and fiber and all of the macronutrients as well as micronutri micronutrients and a lot, all that good stuff is perfectly packaged in all real intact whole foods, right? So there's no food that doesn't have fat. Mm -hmm. But flax seeds is by far and away the best source to get, to get your fat quote-unquote, into your diet. Mm -hmm. um, walnuts, yeah, you can have a few walnuts on occasion, but the more walnuts you eat, the more omega-3 fatty acids you need to offset that ratio that can get thrown out of balance if we're eating too many nuts in general. Yeah. Okay, what foods are most beneficial for low iron? Oh, well, I reversed iron deficiency anemia through eating a whole food plant-based diet, and we have a whole podcast episode on this. But really, you know, a lot of the leafy greens are very high in iron. A lot of our vegetables are high in iron. And usually the real cause of iron deficiency is poor absorption of iron due to either, you know, gut inflammation or maybe for women, very heavy menses. But I'd say the majority comes from gut inflammation and not being able to absorb the iron properly from the food. So, um, yeah, so all eating this way will, I he mean, heal your digestive it system. will heal your digestive system, and so then, you will start getting the most out of your food. And then specifically those foods with the highest amount of iron, yeah, the green leafy vegetables. Exactly, right? green leafy vegetables. Green leafy vegetables all yeah. the way, iron I, and calcium. I seriously, I used to eat a paleo diet so high in red meat, and I was iron deficient the entire For time. For years and years and years, and yes. it wasn't until whole food plant-based or the gut fully healed and where you are getting the right source of iron, right? Because we know that heme iron is very different than non-heme iron when it comes to your body's requirement and utilization and bioavailability. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, non-heme iron can be totally optimally utilized by your body, whereas yeah. heme iron is a pro-oxidant, can cause all sorts of chronic diseases, etc. Yeah. All right. Helen's got a lot of good questions. Uh, if you were to have an alcoholic beverage on a special occasion, what would be the least detrimental to the system? Well, the fact of the matter is that alcohol, the alcohol compound, ETOH, ethanol, is a direct toxin to the body. Um, that being said, if you are you know, just answering your question, the, the, the answer would be the alcohol that doesn't have other toxins. Because I know a lot of wines and liquors are made with uh, conventionally grown products that also have herbicides and pesticides and molds and all this kind of junk in there. Um, so, you know, the organic alcohol that... Yeah, the organic sulfite-free red wine. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not an expert on this topic because I haven't drank in 10 years. Um, but... I would say, yeah. I would say organic 
sulfite-free red wine. Because, because there's some nutrients in there? There is some antioxidants in there, exactly. Okay. And, and but, it's the least toxic. Yeah. Yes. Well, the, it's, it's, in, in terms of alcohol, it's the same amount of toxic. But, yeah, well, but in terms of the other... Those other toxins, the, the other herbicides, herbicides yeah. and the added sulfites and things like that. Um, so, all right, Tamara's got a question about oils. Of all the oils on the market, on the market is coconut oil the best for whole food plant-based? There's no oil that's best for whole food plant-based. And coconut oil is the worst for whole food plant-based <laughs> because coconut oil is the highest in saturated fat. And when it comes to really your metabolic health, saturated fat is the quote-unquote bad fat, even though I really hate saying that and maybe I shouldn't have even said that um, because saturated fat and unsat mono and poly unsaturated fats pretty much coexist. You can't get like just pure saturated and pure unsaturated. When you eat fat, you're eating all that stuff. But when um, if we're looking in kind of a reductionistic manner, we see that coconut oil is the highest source of saturated fat from pretty much any plant food. Yeah. So in, like to answer the question, yeah, no, like oil is kind of the same, um, but cold pressed, extra virgin, whatever is going to be the best. Oil. The best. It's yeah. all kind of the same, right? Yeah. Flax, maybe? No, because you can't cook with flax. So yeah, what do you? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so we would say uh, we'd say olive oil. Um, I mean, that's what we eat every now and then when we go out to a restaurant. That's true. When we ask, definitely not canola oil, right? Because we know that's a, a GMO food. Um, so yeah, if we do go out to eat at a restaurant, and we, you know, we will ask, what do you cook with? And because they're not going to tell us water, we just water saute in the kitchen. There's no effing way, right? Um, There's one restaurant in Aspen that does that, though. Yeah, we like that. <laughs> um, but, you know, if they say olive oil, it's like, okay, that, that means that there's, you know, a little higher standard. Canola is pretty much junk, garbage, no bueno. Yeah. In our uh, podcast episode about oils, we kind of rate the oils. We do? Yeah, we do. Oh, cool. Do you remember that? No, um, really. What happens if you overeat chia seeds? Um, well, chia seeds are very, very high in fiber. Soluble fiber. Yeah. Soluble fiber. So um, you might get a stomach ache if you overeat them, and it might mess with your bowel movements. You guys, I see this all the time, and it's one of my big, biggest pet peeves. Um, grind your chia seeds. A lot of people just sprinkle them on foods as like a garnish. And yeah, they're pretty. You know, I get it. But in terms of the nutritional benefits, the nutrients that are locked inside of those seeds... You can't get those nutrients out unless you grind them. Your 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 teeth won't do won't won't break them won't break yeah. those little chia seeds. You gotta free those nutrients. Yeah. Uh, if someone doesn't like beans, can raw plant protein like hemp protein in moderation be an alternative? No. No. Um, <laughs> we're, beans, we're being so hard today. Sorry. Bean, no. No. Well, I I don't. So beans, yeah, okay, beans are like a good source of quote-unquote protein, all right? But, 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 but not really because protein is literally packed, packed in every single whole plant food. If you're not eating beans, you don't need to get your protein from a processed food. You just need to get your protein from eating more other foods. So if you're not eating beans, you know, that's all right. But we do want to remind you that all of the healthiest, longest living populations around the world focus their diets around legumes. So if you're not eating beans and your digestive system can't tolerate them, whatever the problem or issue is, we do encourage you to consider moving in the direction that you heal your digestive system so that you're able to incorporate more beans into your diet. But until then, then just eat other real whole foods. Yeah. Legumes, potatoes, broccoli, they all have tons of protein. Yeah, they do. And to put this into like an example, when I first transitioned to eating whole food plant-based, I didn't eat beans. I was really focused on fruits, vegetables, potatoes. And I got plenty of protein, uh, definitely exceeded the the required amount of daily intake. I think I was around 50 grams a day. Yeah. So um, just goes to show that- I think more than that. I think even more than that. Yeah, so right. it just goes to show that there really is protein in every single plant food. Um, where are we at? 
purified, what is purified in distilled water and should we drink it? Um, distilled water means that it's nothing except H2O. Um, really, you know, there's different kind of uses for distilled water, but when it comes down to your just optimal regular hydration, you should be drinking mineralized water, so not distilled water. Distilled water actually is not really going to hydrate you. So mineralized water either from a spring, from a well that has been tested and that sort of thing, or purified where in a way that gets rid of all the junk but leaves in the good minerals. And then for extra credit and to give your body really an optimal source of deep hydration, adding a little bit of extra minerals, trace minerals, or ideally a humic fulvic acid supplement. We really love Ion Biome. Um, that gives your body the necessary requirements to get the water deep into your cells where it needs to be. Um, so yeah, distilled yeah. water. I know some people use it in detoxification scenarios, but not ideal. Uh, just quickly, did you say no corn tortillas? Corn tortillas would be in that yellow light category because it is a processed grain. So not something we want to make a staple, but this, again, it goes back to the person's specific health status and health goals. Uh, these yellow light foods are, you know, not as healing as the green light foods. So that's yeah. what I'd say about corn tortilla. All right, what about in moderation MCT oil? What are you doing with your MCT oil? What are you doing with it? I genuinely want to know. What are you doing with MCT People oil? People supplement with it and they put it in their coffee. Why? Why do you want to give yourself pure fat into your coffee when you know that the optimal fuel for every single one of the 10 trillion cells in your precious human body is carbohydrates. Why would you want to junk up your metabolism with literal fat, pure fat, that disrupts your body's ability to actually convert carbohydrates into cellular energy? So I don't know. If you want to waste your money and fuel and fund some crazy biohackers with alternative philosophies that don't really correspond with how nature works, then you are free to do whatever you want in moderation. I see it as a waste of money and a detriment to your health. So, oh my gosh, I just need to speak to this, Tamara. I know, I saw it. You're right. We do have coconut oil in the book that we wrote, but we wrote this book, I think, like four years ago was yeah. it four years ago and that was back when we were eating oil because we hadn't educated ourselves on the yep. science of it yet so um we really need to put out another version of we our do. i know that, that's why book. we were honestly for the last few years i'm like try not to even bring up that book or promote that book um but you know if you can if we can look past that then i guess there's some good tips and pointers in that book yeah. um but but yeah we we were eating oil then and we hadn't looked into the research and science around how oil is not a health food and how it's devoid of nutrients and you know it's we obviously we knew it was pure fat but like you know just the thought of cooking without oil seems kind of crazy until we realize that it's totally easy and totally not. And in fact, there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people who do it all around the world and who, who are thriving as a result of it. Yes. Yeah. If I do too much of one food for too long, will I develop a food intolerance? You will only develop a food intolerance if you have severe inflammation in your gut. Yeah. And um, so otherwise, no, but it is a good idea to include a lot of diversity of the fruits and vegetables that you're eating every day. Um, but that being said, you know, we eat several bananas every day and we won't develop an intolerance to it as long as we keep our gut healthy, yeah. which we're doing by eating a whole food plant-based diet. Yeah, that's good. All right. Is cacao healthy to use in smoothies? You betcha it's healthy and we love Delicious. cacao. We, we, we do love, uh, you know, raw cacao powder. Um, it's nutrient dense. It's got a lot of good stuff in it. It's got, um, it's delicious, we know that. So yeah, we like cacao powder and in moderation cacao nibs, which are essentially just like broken up pieces of pure uh, cacao. Isn't two Brazil nuts a day great for selenium? Yes, it is. That's probably our favorite source of selenium yeah. because it comes straight from food, not just a capsule of isolated selenium. So we love them. Um, 
Why are rice cakes okay to eat when it's processed? I do like it, but I just want to make sure because it's on the shopping list. We we see we like rice cakes um, for a treat every once in a while. It's not like we're eating rice cakes every day or anything like that. It's it's a yellow light food, but the reason why we like it is because if you look at the package, there's one ingredient: organic brown rice. And yeah, it's popped and dried and um, you know a little bit lower in nutrient density than a bowl of fresh cooked brown rice for sure Uh, but in terms of a crispy crunchy treat if you will it's probably the best thing in that that we can get there yeah right definitely yeah uh cooking with organic wine yeah that's okay sure that's a good way to use your wine And that's a good tip, Angela. Dr. Gregor would say that alcoholic drinks mixed with high antioxidant fruits would combat the alcohol. All right. Yeah. If you need your alcohol, yeah. Um, avocado has a higher smoke point than coconut. Yeah, I've heard avocado is kind of... It's not a good cooking the, Avocado isn't? Oh, I guess it is, yes. Yeah, is. avocado <laughs> is like kind of a good cooking oil just based on that. But it's still it's it's still a totally processed, totally unnecessary, totally detrimental food yeah. when it comes to optimal healing. Yeah. So even when you eat when you make chia pudding and you soak the chia seeds, you're still not going to absorb the nutrition no. without grinding it up. Chia pudding, I I don't get it. I mean, I, I don't I don't. You get the fiber, but you, you yeah. don't get the nutrition. Exactly. It's a it's like a, a fiber bomb for your gut. Which yeah, cool. We like that. Putting um, coconut oil on your skin is not harmful at all. Your body is not going to absorb that and metabolize it in the yeah. way that it would if you were to eat it. Yeah, not yeah. so much. Um, do you add any liquids to your smoothie or do you use whole greens and fruits? Just water. Just water. Right? Is, am I reading that right? Yeah. Just water. Yeah. In, in, our, in our smoothies, uh, no almond milks, oat milks, nothing like that. If we want a little bit of a creamy consistency can put some oats in the smoothie and then you like make your oat milk in your smoothie with your fruits and vegetables but you also get all of the nutrients and fiber from the oats don't buy oat milk don't buy almond milk put some almonds in your smoothie if you want the almond flavor and the almond milk thing but you also get the nutrients and the fiber from the almonds that's our recommendation yeah. and if you're making a special recipe that calls for a plant milk you can always just have some of those nuts or oats on hand so you can just whip up a batch really fast in your yeah in your blender and you don't even need to strain it because for the most part you don't yeah. need to strain it i mean unless you're you know putting it in your coffee and or something and you don't want a little fiber in your coffee but we love fiber <laughs> do you want to address heidi's question oh I have read we should have 0.5 to 1 gram of protein per pound of body weight as someone who really enjoys weightlifting and has been used to eating animal protein. How is the best way to track the macros? Does one even need to track macros on a whole food plant-based diet when weightlifting? Um, Well, that's a good good question. question. No, you don't need to track macros, but in terms of tracking macros we like the app chronometer chronometer however you call it c-r-o-n-o-m-e-t-e-r.com and it's a free app that you can just plug in your foods and it gives you kind of a, a, a nutritional analysis of what's going in in terms of macro and micronutrients and um so you know when it comes to weightlifting i'm not a weightlifter i'm i'm not a a fitness. Yeah, you are. Well, I lift weights, but I'm not like not with the intention. I'm not a bodybuilder. Sorry. Right. Like, um, but but it, when it when you're when it comes to building strength, there are a few things that you need. You need energy. You need cellular energy, which comes from carbohydrates. Protein simply does not give your cells energy, plain and simple. And you need lots of hydration to give your body the uh, requirement to metabolize and create energy as well and you need to move your muscles Um, so as long as you are replenishing yourself calorically uh, and my understanding based on other people who do want to build a lot of muscle it really has to do with calories being in a calorie excess while you're doing extreme 
weightlifting is really the way to build muscle. Um, and carbohydrates. And on a whole food plant-based diet, that should look like a carbohydrate-rich diet, not a high-protein diet. Um, high-protein diets are simply detrimental. They, when it comes to, you know, for sure, animal proteins are different than plant proteins just because of the composition of the amino acids in those proteins. But in general, both animal and plant proteins in excess can cause metabolic damage, specifically to the kidneys, and um, we, we just don't need that. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I completely answered that, but... I think so. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so, um, <clears throat> How let's are we? see. Uh, I saw a question about eggs in moderation. How are they? And, I mean, here's the thing. What we would say is you can do that anything you, you can do anything that you want. But what we suggest based off of the science is that eggs aren't a health-promoting food. Um, as we mentioned in video number two, they're high in saturated fat. They're high in cholesterol. They're also high in pathogenic organisms. Um, they also tend to feed viruses directly. Uh, so we don't recommend them. Um, oh, that's nice, Emily. I've loved all of this, and I'm so grateful for the knowledge this week. You gotcha. You got it. There's more where it comes from. How do you know when your inflamed gut has healed? You don't have symptoms anymore. Yeah. Uh, your digestion feels good. You don't think about it. You, just, you forget about it. Yeah. Um, what's happening to my body when I do this plant-based diet for, um, for about four weeks, then something is saying red meat i crave a burger or steak lol we talked about cravings in session number three session number three mm -hmm. generally that's that's a very common experience for a lot of people to have they feel really good on a plant-based diet whole food plant-based and then oh my gosh the barbecue and it's like oh my gosh i just can't resist that steak and first of all we're not dogmatic about what we eat and how we what we put in our bodies and stuff we're just mindful right um but a lot of times that that craving for steak for red meat for uh animal products is a craving for calories you know we have to remember that a whole food plant-based diet is low calorie and nutrient dense it's low in caloric density and high in nutrient density Animal products, on the other hand, are very calorically dense. So when we eat the chicken wing, we're giving our body, you know, in those three bites, we're giving our body 100 calories or so, um, whereas opposed to, you know, eating your cauliflower wings, you need to eat, like, a whole plate of cauliflower to give yourself the same calories from that chicken wing, you know? And so a lot of people simply over the course of transitioning into a whole food plant-based diet develop just slowly but surely develop caloric deficiency, caloric depletion that leads to this insatiable craving and hunger for calorie-dense foods like animal products. And then they give themselves those animal products and they get energy from those calories and they think that they've been missing out on something the whole time. Hey, it, it literally, that happened to me. You know, I thought that I was totally missing out on something, but now I know based on, you know, more understanding physiologically, pathologically, biochemistry, bi biochemically um, on all levels that really the, the body does actually thrive on a purely plant-based diet. And my feeling that I was missing something and everyone else's feeling that they're missing something is generally, uh, a, generally speaking, is just a broad depletion of calories in the body on a low-calorie, nutrient-dense, whole food, plant-based diet. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to say at this point, your questions have been awesome. We are an hour in, and <clears throat> we will still have time to answer questions on Monday and Tuesday next week, especially Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday, we have kept open the hour to answer lots of questions. So at this point, I'd love to request um, no more questions, and we'll answer the, the few remaining one remainder uh, questions that we haven't gotten to yet. Um, but thank you, everyone, for contributing your awesome questions. And yeah. remember, you can continue to message us uh, in between sessions uh, for specific questions as well. But um, let's let's finish up by answering these other questions. And uh, does that sound good? Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, that hour did go by really fast. Went by really fast. Um, So what what other questions? There was, uh, uh, what about avocados in moderation? Yeah, Yeah. totally. We love avocados. Totally. We just, yeah, we just recommend that you don't base um, the majority of your caloric intake off of the fat-rich plant foods like avocado. So, you know, for example, we might have a quarter to a half of an avocado with our dinner at night. And, uh, you know, the other fat that we eat throughout the day is maybe a tablespoon of seeds or two in the smoothie, um, things like that. Uh, Ben likes to use the analogy of like have your daily overt it's fat. It's not an analogy. It's a it's, measurement. It's a visual. It's a visual. It's not an analogy. Uh, but yeah, if you can think about all of, remember, this is a whole food plant-based diet. We're not putting oil in our hand. We're not putting eggs in our hand. But if you can think about what you can fit in your hand um, in terms of those overt fat foods being nuts, seeds, avocados, olives, cacao, coconut. Mm. Um, it should fit about in the palm of your hand. And anything more than that is okay. You know, every once in a while you go out to a party and you eat an awesome cashew cream cheese cake and cool. Like you can, yeah, that's fine. But, but just in general for your baseline, healthy foundational diet, your fat should fit in the palm of your hand. And like Kimberly says, it also depends on your health goals. Depends on your health goals. It all depends on your goals and what else you're doing, right? Because I'm so surprised that we haven't gotten any questions about anything other than food. Yeah. You guys, you guys do remember that food is just one piece of the puzzle. I'm really glad that you are dialing it in, but I trust and hope that you're also dialing in all the other components of your lifestyle that your health and life depend upon. Yeah. And uh, do we use glucomannan? I have no idea what glucomannan is. I don't either. So we're, we're, yay, it's the first time we've been stumped by a question. We're going to have to look up glucomannan, but no, we don't. For thickeners in cooking, we'll use potatoes. We'll blend up potatoes. Um, Or we might use cauliflower. We'll blend up cauliflower. Or sometimes if we feel very decadent, we might blend up some seeds or some cashews in there. I think I saw something um, about, uh, oh yeah, two two ounces of tofu, silken tofu, each day in my smoothie. Is that okay? Um, It's okay, yeah. Uh, I don't know why you do that. I'm assuming you do that for calories slash protein. There's better ways to get more calories slash protein into your smoothie. Um, I would recommend putting a banana in place of the two ounces of tofu or a cup of berries or an apple or a few pieces of mango, you know, something that actually converts into energy more readily for your body. Um, You can also, what what are your thoughts on tofu in the smoothie? And also, maybe you well, do it to thicken it. In that case, they put in like some oats. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, no, I think um, it's completely not necessary. And as you talked about earlier this week, tofu is one of the more processed yeah. forms of soy. Uh, so, you know, it's it's kind of similar to like a, a, a processed grain in that sense. A lot of the uh, natural fiber and nutrients have been removed from the tofu. So if it's, I, you know, yeah. it's a yellow light food. If I, if I want to thicken my smoothie, the other thing that sometimes I do is put a carrot in. Um, uh, carrot, like, <laughs> it's not going to be as smooth as your, as your nice silken tofu. I use more frozen fruits. That's what makes well, it that, thick. But it also makes it really cold. Well, mango is really thickening because it's got that fiber in it. It's all, I mean, all for, and it's yeah. cold. And but, it's but even fresh mango. Yeah. Um, so um, Emily asked how we can stay involved with you uh, beyond these eight days. What a great segue, Emily, because we did want to just remind all of you that really how we work with individuals long term, you know, I mean, right now you have gotten a really wonderful taste of who we are and what we do. And this Q&A session is a little bit of a taste of all of the information that we can cover with you in our mastermind program. Except we can also see you and hear you and and actually know your background and what you're dealing with, what your life is like, how we can really best support you, not just answer questions. Because you guys, like all of the information we provided today, I'm so glad we were able to answer your questions. 
but you probably could have gone to Google, right? You probably could have gone to nutritionfacts.org. You probably could have found answers out there that satisfy your desire for information. So our, our intention is to not just clarify the information for you, but to actually translate that information into inspired, sustainable action and transformation in your life. Because I'm honestly getting tired of people getting tired of seeing people and witnessing people just hungry for information, soaking in all of this information and doing nothing with it. It breaks my heart when I see all of the people in the world just eating up all the books and podcasts and programs, but but not living it. So this program that we've created is our best opportunity to really support you in living it and integrating it into your life so that you can actually feel your best for the rest of your life, add life to your years and years to your life, because you're not going to be able to get that from reading any book or from Googling for more information or watching any other podcast episodes. Unless you apply it in your yeah. life. Peace, you guys. Sending you lots of love. Bye for Till now. next time.